Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. All right, all right. Hey, don't go too far. Charlie, I'm going to need you back here in just a second. Oh, what a good morning it is, and what a good chance it is for us to gather together as the family of God, and I'm excited for... I'm excited for this time of worship. I'm getting a bunch of feedback there, Rick. So I'm excited for this time of worship that we just got, got to have together. But I'm also excited to share with you some things that are going on in the life of the church before we get into the message today. And so um, the first thing I want to do, just acknowledge that uh, everybody should have gotten today one of these. Did everybody get one of these today? All right. So look, now that we don't often do this, we don't often do this, but we'd... We'd like to open this up for any, not in this time, but we'd like to open this up for any feedback you might have, like you might have thoughts about the font or the size or, you know, the space or how, how you, something else you'd like to see on here. But we're excited that, uh, that that has been put together by our new executive assistant who, uh, who just started on Monday. And so like to welcome to the team officially, Lori Jones. Come on, let's celebrate Lori. Many of you know Lori as the first lady of Wissahickon, Pastor Charlie's wife, the one who's kind of holding the Jones family together, but, uh, but she also, in her professional side, has some great experience in executive assistance roles, and so really excited to have her on the team. And with her on the team, there's been a transition where uh, Jackson is now moving fully into the children's pastor role. And so we're really excited for Jackson to be fully engulfed in that space working with the Roxy education and with the kids of the church um, in that space. And so be praying for Jackson in the, in the weeks ahead as we believe that he will continue to have opportunities to invest with families of the church. Now, with that said, I also want to welcome us. Uh, I also want to share with us some, something really special. Um, I want to thank all of you on behalf of uh, Roxborough Church as a whole for helping us to celebrate Pastor Charlie's birthday tomorrow. And the way that we're celebrating Pastor Charlie's birthday tomorrow is all of the pastors of the church are getting on an airplane and heading to Colorado. But we would be remiss, we're not going there for just for fun, we will have fun, but we're going there for a pastor's conference. We'd be remiss if we didn't celebrate Pastor Charlie and Lori together, her new role, his new year of age. So come on up, Joneses, let's get it together. Come on, come on. Come on, right up here in the front. We love you guys. And now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are an, an, an elder or a deacon serving now or formerly having served in our church, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. You don't have to move from that space. Just stand up right where you are. We're going to have a time of prayer. And I'm going to ask if our elders and deacons will just extend a hand toward the Jones families. The rest of us will pray in our hearts and we'll just join, our, uh, join together. We're celebrating, uh, uh, Charlie, how many years now? Yeah, yeah, more than 40 and less than 60. So we're going to celebrate Charlie's years of life. And we're going to pray for Lori, okay? All right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's do that together. Father God, I thank you so much for this man and woman of God. I pray, God, that you would honor them and bless them. God, I thank you for the gifts that they steward well here at Roxborough and Wissahickon Churches. God, I pray, Father, that you would uh, just put your, your, your seal on them, God. Hold them close to you, Father. Thank you for extending the days for Charlie, God. Thank you that, uh, that he uh, just continues to be such an encouragement to all of us. 
Uh, as, even as we, as we think about both the preached word and as we think about relationships in, in, in the neighborly series kind of thing, God, I just thank you that he has just been a great witness for this for us. Uh, Father, thank you for Lori and her giftedness, Father, both professionally and personally. God, I pray that you would bless her, God. I thank you for her joining the team here at Roxborough Church. I pray, Father, that the, the years ahead would be filled with great moments of ministry and great ways that she would further your work here uh, on this block as we extend forward. But God, more than anything right now, I just pray that you would bless them, encourage them, let them know that they are yours, you love them deeply, and they are loved by this church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Charlie, your first gift is you get to go to Colorado. Your second gift is I will not lead us in happy birthday, all right? So there you go. Oh, God is good. As we enter into week two of our neighborly series, I want to welcome anybody who's joining with us for the first time online or in person, or if you, if you weren't with us last week and you just kind of made your way in this week, I want to tell you, you're jumping into week two, but here's the good news. Uh, thanks to, uh, to the shifts that were made during the COVID times, um, all of our series are online now, so you can jump on and you can go back and check out uh, last week's sermon uh, from Wissahickon or from here. You can check out last night's rendition of this sermon from Pastor Charlie over at Wissahickon, and, uh, and you can enjoy that time as well. But here we are. We are in week two, um, asking the question and answering the question, who is my neighbor? This four-week series all comes out of the Luke chapter 10 passage that we'll look at in just a minute. But I want to ask you first to answer the question internally in your mind, who is my neighbor? neighbor. And when I ask you that question, maybe you think of images that look like this. Anybody remember this? Anybody remember this? I can say I'm probably one of the few people in the world who actually never saw this show, but I know the concept. I know the concept. So when you think of neighbor, maybe you think of this, right? And maybe it's all the more fitting if you think of neighbor from the last year, you know, like there's a mask and you see eyes, right? Maybe that's what you think of. Maybe if you don't think of that, maybe you think of this. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, cool. So maybe you think of an image that looks like that. But I want to ask you again, who is your neighbor? Join with, oh, here, here's a quick reminder from last week before we jump into the text. A quick reminder from last week. Last week we answered, we asked and answered three questions. Um, the first question that came from the text was, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And we talked about the fact that, that God gives us new life in Jesus. And we looked at the John 3.16 passage. And then we asked the question is, uh, then, then, we, then, we, um, then we acknowledge that to love the Lord your God requires us to be all in. All in. You remember that? We talked about being all in and the orange. Remember the orange? Anybody, anybody just show a hand. Anybody remember the orange? Cool. That's cool. All right, good. Some of you got that. All right, cool. And then the last thing we talked about was experiencing God's love commissions us to go. We acknowledge the fact that God is ascending God. And as we grow to know God and to understand his love for us, we're sent on mission. We're required to go forward. So join me again in the Luke chapter 10 passage in the 25th verse. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, it was an expert of the law who stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too there was a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Father, would you bless, as we jump into week two, all the words that are spoken, especially the declaration of your word. God, would you bless it? Would you allow it to settle within us and allow it to move us to action as you are ascending God, inspiring, moving your people, that we would go. In Jesus' name, amen. How many times have we heard that we should love God? our neighbor. Just by show of hands, anybody ever hear that before? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Like, that's a good thing. If you didn't have your hand up, next time somebody asks you that question, you're going to have to raise your hand because you just heard me say it, right? We, are, we, we hear it all the time, love your neighbor, or that we should, we should be, uh, be, be, be uh, what's that word? Um, yeah, that. We should be that. We should be, uh, I, I lost the word, uh, toward others. We should be compassionate, toward others, right? That we should care for other people, right? We should not be just thinking inward, but thinking outward, like how is it that God would do something in or through me for somebody else? Um, but have we ever thought about who our neighbor is? You know, when you were probably little, mom and dad said, love, you know, lo love, love other people, you know, or love your neighbor, or, or, or love the kid, the kid in class, but you're like, but who? Like, which kid in class, or, or you know, which neighbor? Like, that neighbor's really nice, but that neighbor, eh. You know, like, mom, I heard you around the table. You didn't seem to love that neighbor. Why are you telling me to, right? Like, I mean, like, who is my neighbor? That's the first question we need to think about. Who is my neighbor? Then, then we might have to think about this. Like, why should I love them? Like, can we just be honest? Some people make loving them difficult. Can I get an amen? amen? Not if you're sitting next to the person. Don't say amen to that. All right? If you're sitting next to the person, don't say amen to that, right? Because then you're making loving them difficult. All right, so here we go. So who and then why and then how? How is it that I actually express this love to my neighbor? Well, if, uh, if we look at the text that we were looking at from uh, the Gospel of Luke, we see that the young expert in the law said, hey, I, I know what the law says. And by the way, here's just a quick caveat for you. There were 613 laws that this expert needed to know. 613. 
If you read through the Old Testament, there are 613 Levitical laws. And if you're a student of the Old Testament, if you're a, if you're a student, uh, uh, if, you, if, if you were born in Israel and you were, you were taught these laws, like this was the story that you needed to know. There were 613 laws. Now watch this. The Mosaic laws, all 613 of them, had one thing in common. When you broke one, you broke them all. So you were either innocent, having never broken any, or you were guilty, even if you broke one. So when this young man comes to Jesus and he comes to Jesus and he begins to question Jesus about the law, part of it is like, hey, like that. There's a lot of law. How how are we drilling this down? And then as Jesus turns it around and says, hey, well, you tell me, how do you interpret the law? And he sums it up. He actually is looking at, or in his mind, recounting for us Leviticus chapter 19. So if you were to turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 19 and you were find, to find verse 18, this is what it says. So this is where mom and dad always got that love your neighbor thing from. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. Who said it? I am the Lord. God himself instructed one of his laws was that we're not to take revenge or vengeance on our own, but rather we're to love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. Why would he ever say this to the people? Why would this be the law? Well, let me help cut a picture here for you. Keeping the law which was the goal for Israel, keeping the law, which also would be a, a goal for us as believers, following in accordance with the word of God, was meant to display to the world the work of God in us, right? Our ability to stand upright in response to the word of God is meant to display to the world the fact that God is in us. Because here's the reality. There's no way in the world I can keep 613 laws. I barely keep two, right? Like, I'm struggling right now, right? And so, so the idea of saying keeping the law meant that something greater was happening within you than you doing it on your own, right? Everybody, you kind of get that picture? You get that picture? This was what Israel was tasked to do. They were meant to display the power and the might of God. And the way that they would do that was being in alignment with the word and the will of God, right? And so if they would keep the laws of God, that would display that they were in alignment with God, and that would mean that God's power would be on display. But as soon as they broke the law of God, they began to show a different image, right? An image of the fact that, that God, while he was mighty and at work, his people were feeble and were fleeting from the ways of God. And so here is this young man saying, I'll sum up the laws of God. Love God, love my neighbor. And he's thinking about this passage here. Now, you also want to keep in mind as, as we think about this, that loving our neighbor, uh, you know, according to the Levitical law, loving our neighbor in first part meant I'm not going to do to you what I would naturally think of doing on my own, right? 
Here it is. Uh, Pastor Charlie used the, used the illustration last night about driving and being cut off on the road. And, and that's a good illustration, right? We all can, we all can acknowledge that. So you got to go, go back to Wissahickon service last night and, and listen for that illustration. It was a really good one. But how many times have you been tempted to respond out of your flesh? How many times have you been, re- been tempted to respond out of anger, out of frustration? Have you been tempted? As a matter of fact, you, did you ever just say something, I'm going to bop you on the nose if you don't stop it? You ever say that to somebody? It may be in a meaner way. Anybody? No? Some, I know some of y'all lying. You said it to me one time. I heard you. You were like, fist up, I'm going to bop you, right? And so, so like, here's the reality, right? Like this idea that, that we would respond in our flesh. Well, the Levitical law says we're not to do that. When our flesh says, I'm going to bop you, our mouth, our head, and our heart says, I'm going to choose to love you. That's right. Instead of bopping you like our flesh wants to, I'm going to choose to express love to you, right? Loving your neighbor. That's the call, right? So, so this picture here is that something greater is happening. Let me break it down this way. This morning, I'm going to try to tackle three things. Number one. I'm going to try to help us answer this question. How can we intentionally meet our neighbors, right? In order to love them, i got to meet them. So how can we intentionally meet our neighbors? We're going to answer that in just a second. After that, we're going to jump into this. How can we express love to others intentionally this week? And we'll wind it up. We'll wrap it up at the end by, by answering this. How is your love expressed sacrificially, right? So here we go. How can we intentionally meet our neighbors? If, God, you're calling me to love them, i got to know who they are. Answering who requires us to work intentionally, making efforts towards knowing the people around us. If you go back and actually read the text in Leviticus 19.18, he says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, it says. Anyone among your people. In other words, the first place in which neighbor is defined is in close proximity to us. Who is your literal neighbor? Who lives on your east and on your west? Who lives on your right and on your left? Do you know them? Do you know their story? Do you know what's going on in their life right now? Do you know their hurts? Do you know their worries? Have you extended yourself in such a way that you are an integral part of their life now? When we think of who our neighbor is, it starts with those who live and interact with us in the most immediate ways. Let me say this one, and this this one's even harder, right? What if we begin to apply this text to those who live in our house, too? Right? What if, if, mom, what if you're 15 or 16, 16, 16, 17, oh, you're getting old, dude. What if your 17-year-old son is meant to be one of the ones you apply this text to? Your 14-year-old daughter is meant to be one of the ones you apply this text to, right? Like loving our neighbor. What if if the proximity is where it begins? Those who are closest to me, right? Those who are closest around me. And then once we move out of our house, once we're outside of the walls of our house, we begin to think about those who live on our block across the street to our right and to our left. Then we think about the group of people that we meet at the, that, that we see on a regular basis. You know, like I, I, I happen to go drop my kids off every morning to school. It's just 
part of my routine. I drop my kids off every morning to school, which means I also see every other parent who drops their kids off every morning at school. What if loving my neighbor meant that everybody that I'm in close proximity to, it falls into that category? How do I begin to get to know these people, right? I can get to know, I get to know my house pretty well. And by the way, like, we got an empty building on this side, and we got a U-Haul on that side. We got no neighbors, so I'm in the clear on this one. Like, I don't have to, you know, east and west, I don't have to do it. But, it, but I look across the street, and I got 200 apartments, 200 apartments. I got a lot of neighbors over there I got to start loving, right? So, so proximity-wise, there's plenty of people in my life. But then, then we move to the next circle, and that next circle are people who I interact with on the regularly. Many years ago, you heard me telling you the story about Miss Marcia. Miss Marcia was a uh, cashier at ShopRite. I got to minister to her for about eight years before she retired in great ways. I interacted with her every week, and so she became one of my neighbors. She was, she was part of my story, right? So maybe that's it. And then, then after you move out of that sphere, what about those who you meet? Do they become neighbors to you? Somebody, somebody walks by, somebody stops you somewhere, somebody says hi, they give you their name, you have a momentary interaction. Does that invite them into the circle of neighbor? I think it does. I think it does. Once you engage in a way that now you actually know something about one another, you have just moved into this neighbor phase. And so this, this text about loving your neighbor means that it now applies there as well. Now look, we're going to get one further. What if God actually wanted us to answer the question of who is my neighbor this way? That it would include those who we could have met had we taken the opportunity. You say, well, Pastor, I don't get where you're going with that. Well, think about this. When we read this story in Luke chapter 10, we grow frustrated with the first two men who pass by on the other side of the road. Why? Because they chose not to meet the man who had a great need, right? They didn't meet the man's needs. They, they went on the other side of the road. They kept it moving. And we find ourselves like getting a little bit like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe they would do that. What if God defines neighbor both as in terms of those in closest proximity to us, those who we engage with and we get to know, but also as those who God puts along our journey who we have an opportunity to get to know, do we also have a responsibility to invite them into the neighbor phase? Do we have an opp opportunity to define the relationship and call them neighbor by choosing to say yes to the opportunity that God puts in front of us. Now, I know this is going to hurt somebody's toes because I'm going to step on it for a second because most of us like to motor forward. Amen? Amen? We just like to keep it moving, right? Let me give you a quick illustration of this. I was away this weekend, this, this weekend with, with my family. We had a great time. But we had to take two vehicles, right, because we had to go to and from work. And so Michelle took the car, and I took the box on wheels, right? The car and the box on wheels move at two very different speeds. And I said, Michelle, can you just keep close to me until we get to the highway and then you can go? So she did. She just kind of just slow rolled at my pace. And I, I, was, I was in a completely different vehicle, but I could tell. I could tell she was like, man, I just want to push on the gas. I just want to push on the gas, right? 
And as soon as her front wheels hit the highway, I did not see her taillights again. They were gone. Pew! Like she was home unpacked and walked the dog before I got back, right? Why? Because like in turn, we just want to keep it moving. Like we want to go, right? And what if somebody, somebody said this to me this, this week? What if uh, Pastor Crawford said this to me this week? He said, what if the moments to minister are the moments of interruption? They're the moments of interruption. What if they're the moments that God is giving you to actually minister, right, to actually do his will? So maybe, just maybe, the desire of God for us to love our neighbor includes the people who are going to interrupt our way, the people who are just going to show up on our path, the people who are going to be there who we don't yet know, and yet we need to say yes to God in order to do that. Now, somebody, somebody right now, is thinking to themselves, there's somebody that God has been putting in front of me, and I've been avoiding that brother or sister, and now the pastor up there preaching about this, right? And, and there it is. It's just for you. It's for you, right? God is putting people along the path to answer the question of who. Love those who you interact with regularly. Love those in your house. Love those no, uh, to the east or to the west of you. Love those who you interact with to get to know a little bit. And choose to say yes to God to meet the people along the way and invite them into the neighbor phase. How can we intentionally meet our neighbors this week? I'm going to ask you to go ahead and write this down and answer this question. What is one way this week that you can intentionally meet your neighbor? Come on, answer that question right now. Answer that question right now. Write it down, text it to yourself, send it to somebody in your family to hold you accountable, whatever you want to do. What's one way this week that you can intentionally meet your neighbor. You can choose any of those phases of neighbor that I just described. I think they all fit really, really well. We're going to look at five texts real quick that help us to understand the next two points. How can we express our love to others this week is what we're going to chase after. So if you were to turn to Matthew chapter 5, you can go ahead and turn there now. Matthew chapter 5 and the 44th verse. I'll wait for a couple of you. I know it's going to be on the screen, but some of you brought your paper Bibles. So let's turn those pages. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Say amen when you get there. I'll wait for one more. All right, there you go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, this is what it says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing uh, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I love the fact that Matthew calls us to that level, right? He says that, that this, is, this is Jesus' cry for us, that we, we would be perfect in our expression of love. And I know many of us are going to stumble over that, but the word perfect here means that, we, we, we would be, um, that, that it would be complete in, in the way in which we would express our love and that it would come from the right place in which we express our love. So, so understanding the who, we then have to understand the why. Why would I choose to love? Right? Because God has called me to love perfectly, fully, compassionately. God has called me 
to love um, irregardless of what comes in return. That this is the cry of God for, uh, from God for us. That we would choose to express love the way our Heavenly Father has. Think about it this way. When was the last time that God let you down? Choose to love. He doesn't fail us. And even when we wrestle with saying, God, that's not what I thought was going to happen, it doesn't make it any less perfect from God. It gives us a greater opportunity to understand what God is doing. Turn with me to, uh, to the Gospel of John in the 13th chapter. Jesus says this, uh, a new command, I'm in 1334, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. This idea of how do we express love to others as we, as we try to understand that. Like part of why we express love to others is because as we express love to others, they understand more fully the love that comes from God. I've got a good friend who may or may not be sitting to my left and may be sitting next to her husband. And uh, I follow her on her social media. And just yesterday, she posted a picture of her mom and dad who may or may not be sitting three rows back right here. And, uh, and she, in, in, in what, 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 what Heather posted was a thank you to her mom and dad for the way that they have displayed and modeled love for others. Their love together has displayed and modeled that for others to see. This is, the, this is the goal of love, right? That it would put on display the work of God, what only God can do. So as we choose, as we choose to love one another, as we choose to say yes to the command that comes from Christ, as we choose to step forward into this action of loving, what does it do? It lets the world know who we are. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a child of God. It's evident in my love. And when it's not, I'm repentant for the sin of my life. John 15, 13. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that they will lay down one's life for one's friends. That's sacrificial. I don't know what that looks like in your life. For most of us, I dare say, almost all of us, we probably will not be asked or have the opportunity to literally lay down our life for someone else. But we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago, and there was a member of our church who called me and said, hey, Pastor Ray, you preached this message about loving others. Would you put that on display by bringing your truck over to my house and moving some boxes for me? And I pointed on the Pastor Crawford. No, I didn't. I did not. I said, yes, let's do it, right? I don't know what sacrificial love looks like for you, but what I know is this, laying your life down for someone else is the bar that Christ has set for us, right? That's the call that I would give in a way that's sacrificial of my own in an effort to express love for someone else. I know this happens in marriage. I see my wife giving in a way that is sacrificial toward me and for our family. Uh, I, I watch that happen pretty often. 
So I know that that's one way that it happens. But let me say it to you this way. God's word says that there's no greater display of love than that. That you would sacrificially express for someone else. I want to wrap up this third point with, uh, with this, the second point, I'm sorry, with this, this uh, last passage. Look with me at Luke chapter 6 in the 27th verse. Luke chapter 6 in the 27th verse says this, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold them your shirt. Uh, give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to get repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. You'll be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You know, this idea of, uh, of giving at this extreme, let me, let me say this. This is a challenging verse. This is a challenging thought to, to give in a way that, that expresses love towards those who are our enemies. You might be thinking to yourself, I don't really have enemies. Like, life is, is pretty good right now. And I definitely don't have enemies like this. And, and by the way, nobody's asking me for money. And that's good, right? But this idea of enemies might not be somebody who's like combatant towards you. What if enemies just simply means those who don't think like you? Those you're not in agreement with. Those whose social media reflects things that your social media doesn't reflect or like. Those who don't show up in your algorithms, right? What if, what if enemy isn't actually somebody you're, you're, you're ready to bop on the nose, but, but enemy is just somebody, I just don't want to be around you. I just, we don't like each other. Oil and water, we don't mix, right? Like, what if enemy was simply that? And then the call from God is to still love them. God, you want me to love them? I was a youth pastor for 13 years. I loved I loved my years in youth ministry, and I still get to express that in many ways through my time with the project. But one of the things I loved about my years in youth ministry, and I know every youth volunteer in this room can, can appreciate this story. One of the things I loved about youth, my years in youth ministry was when you got to go away on retreats with students. Come on. Who here been away on retreats with kids? Come on. And, and you know, you enjoyed it, right? Like, they're, 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 you know, they're up late and they're wired and, and they're drinking Mountain Dews and chubby bunny marshmallows and all those things. But somewhere in the midst of all that, you have a moment where you have a Jesus breakthrough and you're like, yes, this is amazing. You know, like, this is what we were made for, you know, and you're just excited about it. I loved retreats. You know what I didn't like about retreats? Saturday night around 1030. 
at 10.30 on Saturday nights on every retreat I've ever been on with middle school and high school boys. The deodorant has worn off. <laughs> the Axe spray no longer covers it. And they did not come with any intent to take a shower that weekend. And you've got to sleep through the night, one more night in that room. Love your enemies. Good Lord. Good Lord, come back. Sometimes, now look, I get this. I get this. I really was not at a fence with a middle school boy because of the deodorant. But it was offending me. And it made loving them a little difficult. I don't know who those enemies are in your world right now. And I'm thankful that it's hard for you to think of them. And I'm sorry for anybody who it comes right to mind for because you're in a difficult spot. But irregardless, the call from God is to be expressive of our love toward them. We are to be people who are invitational. We're drawing others in. Our goal in life is to help other people enter into the life with Christ that we're already in. And that's going to mean going amongst some people who you might not choose to go amongst if not for the will and way of God. I believe God is calling us this week to be expressive of our love to others. The last point, if we know who and we know why, now we have to know, oh, did I get that right? Did I get that right? Let me find my point there. Where are you? Yeah, sorry. If we know who and we know why, now we have to know how. Look with me at one last passage really quickly. I'm in, uh, I'm in Matthew chapter 9 in verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, if you have a Bible, go ahead and note this down in your Bible. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, they were sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. If we want to answer the question of how, we have to love compassionately. We have to love compassionately. Compassionately requires a sacrificial expression of love. I love irregardless of what's going to come in return. I love at my own expense. If we look later in that same passage of in, in, in the uh, Luke chapter 10 story of the Good Samaritan, we, we see that the Good Samaritan says, I'm giving you two denarii now, and when I get back, I will pay you for anything extra that caring for this man costs. That expression of loving at our own expense. Compassion 
requires us to be patient, to be steady. Pastor Charlie said this to me today. He said, we've got to constantly show up. We've got to keep showing up. We've got to be consistent. We've got to be steady. We've got to be patient. We've got to be willing. And these things have to be rooted in an effort to display God's love. Friends, can I say one last thing before we wrap up? If you're struggling with loving your neighbor, it very well, it very well may be that you're struggling to know that you're loved by God. If you're struggling to love your neighbor, it very well may be that you're struggling to know that you're loved by God. The author of Hebrews in the 13th chapter says this. He says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. By doing so, some people have shown hospitality to the angels without ever knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Who is it that God is asking you to love this week? Understand that your expression of love toward them comes from your rooted relationship with Jesus Christ and then run into those relationships unabashedly being compassionate in expressing your love. But before you do that today, if you're having a difficult time expressing love to neighbor, take some extra time today and explore your relationship with Jesus. Let's pray together. Almighty Father God, we thank you that you love us and that you've called us to love others. And God, I thank you for the times that it's so easy to express love. It's so easy to say yes to love. It's so easy to choose to do um, expressive gestures of love toward others. It's so easy, God. But I also thank you, God, for the times that it's really hard to love. Because I know, Lord God, that, that a sinner that I am, that it's hard to love sometimes. But God, you've done it perfectly. And then you've called us and equipped us to be able to love perfectly as well. So Father God, we, we pray that you would receive uh, this day repentant hearts with a great desire to be expressive of love to others, not for our own accord, but that they might know how much you love them as they see a child of God expressing that love toward them. And as we think of loving today, we, we give a moment here where we pray for those who are heavy on our hearts and minds, especially those who are hurting and are sick right now. God, we join the heart of our church in praying for Helen. God, we pray for healing in her body. God, we pray for comfort with her family. Lord, we ask that you would do a miraculous work over her. Father, I pray that she would know both your love and the love of so many who are holding her in prayer today. And maybe there's others that are on our hearts and minds, and so we just silently just 
just utter their names before you, God. God, would you do something beyond what we could imagine and ask for? Maybe there's someone who's lost in our story. They don't yet know you, and yet they're our neighbor. They might be our work neighbor or our home neighbor. They might be our bus neighbor. They might be just somebody who walks their dog past our house every day and says, hi, somehow they're neighborly with us. God, would you help us to neighbor well? God, would you help us to be expressive of your love? I pray for those who use the garden outside, God. I pray that they would know your love as they meet people from our church who, who, who garden there, as they interact with my family and the kids on the block. I pray that there be expressions of love that can only come from hearts that are yielded to you. And God, for the big world ways in which you ask us to neighbor, caring about things that we don't ourselves have an ability to change. God, would you help us to say, I love you in everything that we do, not because we want to be uh, mushy and, and, and just, you know, just I love you, I love you, I love you people, but because we want to be tender, we want to be gentle, we want to be compassionate, we want to be loving, because we want to people to see you. So Father, in the same way we ask that you would do a regenerative work in, in Helen's life, we pray that you would do that for so many others. And we pray especially for anyone out there who doesn't yet know you, maybe even anyone in this room today who doesn't yet know you. Restore their hearts and their minds to a place that they might know you as Lord. Maybe that'll happen through the expression of love that they see through one of us. And Jesus, we'll worship you with one more song, and then we'll be prepared to be sent as people that are sent out by you to go and express love to our neighbor. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.